we can prove to the world that if you want to make a good business it can be profitable also so you don't need to sacrifice profits to make a change in the world good business and profits can go together welcome to the podcast b2b saw ceos with me joseph falsen as your host i'm the ceo and founder of vam that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hey hi, my name is Shamik. I'm the CEO and the co-founder at Trustrace and you are listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome Shamik. Hey Joseph, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Very well, very well. I can imagine. And uh, let's jump into it, Shamik. First thing first always. What does Trust Trace do? Do the elevator pitch. Yes. Uh so Trust Trace is a digital platform for product traceability and supply chain transparency. and we focus mainly on the fashion and apparel industry because it's a very very big problem for them to know uh, where the product is made who has made it and how it has been made and they are being constantly asked by the consumers and nowadays also by a lot of regulators to prove that what they are claiming is true or not and who are your customers we typically sell into the large fashion brands uh, who have got very very complex supply chains uh, starting from maybe australia new zealand and going all the way via asia and europe to the U- to north america and um, yeah now i want to know why trust trace how did you end up with uh, that idea and business so we are four co-founders and two of us are based in india and the two others are based in stockholm they are right Uh, we all four of us used to work together in a large IT services company before we started Trustrace uh, and in fact when we started Trustrace the idea was not to build a for profit b2b saas platform uh, we actually started from a place uh, uh, where we wanted to build a platform to just to help the industry move more towards responsible sourcing there So uh, we come one of the founders comes from a southern uh, city in India called Coimbatore which is very very close to a very big textile hub called Tirupur and um, he used to work in U- UK and he just went back to uh, Coimbatore saying that hey my family needs me because there's a lot of problem going on uh, because they are into organic farming and the the water that they are getting from the river is polluted with dyes and it is it has turned purple uh, there so we first thought why will you go back and how will you go and solve this problem and all that but he said that the problem is so big that it is causing a lot of stress in the family especially with the father and all that uh, but then we started all all three others we started relating to the similar issues we have seen in our communities in rest of india that uh, uh, lack of Uh, proper wages for the for the people uh, the way the effluents are just washed away into the fresh water places or chemical waste being left on the soil and it leads to a lot of challenges there uh, 
and when we are in Sweden, we see that we all want to take care of the environment. We want the society to flourish along with the companies. So it was two different world. And we said that, hey, we should do something to bring a balance to this world there. And that is with that objective is created Trust Trace as a platform so that brands or the Western brands can typically take control of the supply chain in other parts of the globe. And through that, they are able to bring a significant change in the way the goods are produced there. Uh, and once this idea started forming, it became very, very clear. The, the, the amount of data to be collected is very, very high. And you need the data to be very, very, to be verified and valuable. So then we changed the track from non-for-profit to towards a more for-profit because we wanted, while it was an impact tech, uh, we wanted it to be a profit-oriented so that we run the KPIs very, very properly there. And also to ensure that we can prove to the world that if you want to make a good business, it can be profitable also. So you don't need to uh, uh, sacrifice profits to make a change in the world. It is just the way you do want to do business uh, is a good business and profits can go together. Amazing. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And uh, now um, th this is this is a new segment I throw in because I, I want to go high and low and I want to go really nerd in detail with KPIs and leadership. What I also now want to know, Shamik, what is a fun fact about yourself that most people don't know? Anything? <laughs> That's a, this is a curveball. <laughs> I don't expect that in, in a podcast. Uh, fun fact, yeah, maybe I, I, I love, uh, my, one of the reasons maybe my wife loves me is because I love uh, ironing clothes. So I can iron as many as clothes as you want. And I want the fanciest iron and I want the best iron board in the world so <laughs> amazing <laughs> thanks for sharing okay shamik so, so we are going back to business now and this question uh, this is actually the first external question because i have i always have two or three people externally that listen to the podcast that oh. uh, that i lend my voice to so they can ask a question and this first uh, person is a person i know very well uh, she's my everything this is my fiance here is Madeleine Arndt's question, and this is... What has been the biggest challenge going from just you founders to around 100 people? And how did you solve it? I think solution is still going on. We have not, I think, fully solved it. So I think when you are four founders, you are very passionate, you are very closely knit, and I think you are very, very agile, nimble. And I think there are certain... Uh, things that you communicate and certain things which you don't communicate but the it is very because you have worked so much you are agile uh, you are so well connected you don't really discuss too many things so you just do 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 and it gets done finally in the impact part of it uh, I think uh, with a large number of people I think you have to have a very lot of communication a lot of alignment and also you need to take a lot of feedback there so that has been a very very big journey i think we are still uh, uh, changing a lot uh, we used to call out all these founder meetings to be brainstorming meeting because we'll come with a problem and we'll say hey we, we don't know the solution but we will go 
we will passionately discuss it and then uh, maybe two of us will not agree with the other two or one of us will not agree with the other three but still it is how because because we are just very close because and we will do all of this discussion with alt um, utmost amount of respect for each other but now when you have got 100 plus employees you need to be a little bit i won't say diplomatic but you need you need to be a little bit guarded about how you go about these meetings uh, you want a proper agenda you want to follow certain things you want to communicate this because we are also running a company which is geographically far apart so we have got a team of around 80 people 80 85 people in india and around 20 odd people in sweden and one person in france and now we are expanding into the us so it's a very very geographically distributed uh, uh, company uh, for the size for the size of the business we are doing so it is very critical for us to keep this alignment and communication on uh, at the same time we want our people to be fearless so when they are solving a we are all problem solvers uh, you cannot solve a problem by being defensive you have to be always on the front foot you have to always be forward leaning for it uh, so it's a challenge, I think, and we will, I think, as we grow, this is going to go more and more. And uh, Madeline isn't here, so she can't follow up, but I can follow up. If we go one layer deeper, uh, you talk about the importance of communication, uh, super important. Can you can you give one or two best, really detailed best practices, like a hack that you have found out regarding proper communication? So one thing, uh, so first thing I think uh, Slack or team, the way you set up has to be very, very open, open for all it while you have got your group uh, chats and all that kind of thing there. But I think we also keep a very, very open discussion that anybody can ask anybody any question kind of thing. Uh, we also do something like we move uh, uh, even during the COVID and post COVID with the restrictions allowing made people to travel from india to sweden and sweden to india and this uh, bond that people are able to form is uh, i think it is much more than trust it is a it is a, a lifetime earning for them and the perspective they get is very very different uh, through these kind of activities most of the teams what we are also trying to do is that we distribute it earlier it used to be like product engineering uh, customer support will typically do it in India and sales, marketing, um, more closer to the cons- custom. Uh, our customers will do it in Sweden, but now we are also breaking the teams up. So customer support happens in Sweden. It happens in India. Uh, implementation uh, teams are spread between Sweden and India. Uh, same with marketing, same with sales and all that kind of thing. So that people understand uh, what uh, geographical differences time differences cultural differences mean and they are able to overcome those kind of a thing uh, and interestingly enough i think we also see a mirror image in our customers so when we talk to a team of adidas or decathlon or uh, otb and all they are also very very globally distributed teams so i think we are able to it in a way also helps us as a company to empathize with our customers also Thanks for the answers and uh, Made, thank you for the question. Uh, we are moving on to leadership because we're already talking about leadership. So what is the worst thing about being a leader? That you're naked. <laughs> Everybody can watch you and you're always, uh, I think 
I won't say watchful, but you have to you have to ensure that you are the uh, uh, you are presenting your best yourself, and also uh, you are you are trying to help each one of them to achieve their goals. There, uh, I think one one way to look at it is also that uh, being exposed to uh, uh, everybody also means that if you should not have a big ego you can actually go and say that hey i have this problem can you please help me and then i think the team rallies behind it uh, it is a problem and it is an asset also it depends upon how you are looking at it uh, so i yeah i think if generally i'm i'm very very open at accepting the point that hey we have a challenge or this is a problem we are facing and uh, then the whole team rallies behind to solve it for you and not only team that draw in expertise from outside also and if we shift the focus then from bad things and negative things to positive things what do you like the most about being a leader because you get you become the representative of the company and you get called into all cool things such as the podcast that you are doing uh, you you represent the company and and the story of the company to everybody so that's a good thing and also i think uh, uh, generally i think it is a it's it acts as a great ambassador of change uh, that you are able to position because all the good work that happens in trust trace you go to represent it uh, and also talk about the impact that we are creating uh, there so i think it's a it's a good place to be and you you are flattering me thank you <laughs> <laughs> anybody who does anything for, to bring the community up is always good amazing to hear and uh... Yeah, th- this this question is uh, uh, quite new, and I love this segment because I always hear so interesting things here. It's time for a topic of your choice. I want to hear mm. you talk about a few minutes something that you are nerdy and passionate about. So the mic is yours, and it's time for a topic of Shamik's choice. Um. So yeah. So f- I think I I, I was so I was. Uh... I have been a sales and a business development person all of my life. So something which which I'm really passionate about is uh, uh, going and creating deals, uh, solving a customer's problem and winning the deal uh, there. Uh, and the more that I learn, the more uh, uh, that I try to practice it, the, uh, I love the space uh, there. Where I, and in fact, I think one of the reasons I think trust trace is where it is, is because we in, in the initial years, we were very, very sales led. Uh, we were selling solutions and products even before they were made so and it also brought uh, that we could understand the problem the customer is facing and feed it into the product team so that they build something which is useful from day one it is not like we have to propose how to use it and all that kind of thing uh, there and uh, so i will call myself to be a student of sales and uh, uh, business development especially when it comes towards the tech enabled solution space or the b2b saas uh, space there uh, because it is a very very unique way of delivering enterprise solutions to our customers uh, globally there and that is why i think b2b saas is such a big rage uh, i think it is solving very very pointed problems to our customers and this marriage of uh, uh, product and uh, uh, sales uh, towards the new age market is very, very interesting for me uh, for that. Uh, I recently came across, I think I've been reading a lot about 
medic and med pick a lot earlier but uh, recently we implemented or we are trying to implement that in trust trace so it just amazes me that even though sales and business development in the tech world has been there for so many years we still are innovating on the fundamental principles about how to measure how you deliver value to your customer how do you rally the team around it and say that hey we exist because we the customer has got a, a splitting headache problem and you are trying to solve it but the process really amazes me always that my sales heart is uh, yeah really happy because uh, every, everybody that's been listening to this podcast for a while or know me for years they know that i love sales and hustling and uh, outreach and everything that comes to business development so i think you chose a splendid topic of your choice shemik <laughs> and also i think it seems like somebody could thought that i orchestrated this very nice but i did it i just mm. had a feeling that they when this next question because it's time for ex- question number two and this is <laughs> a sales oriented question and this is from johan rosenstrid at guava and this is his question Hello, this is Yuan. My question is, what has been your toughest challenge within sales and how did you overcome it? If you are asking me this question from the perspective of my, in in my sales career, so I think uh, uh, so I have been uh, we, we can uh, go we can bro we can go both for your and for uh, trust trace. Okay, sure. Yeah. So from my perspective, I am a sales guy who is very high on emotional quotient and uh, maybe less on the problem solving part of it. There, I typically uh, go by my gut, and typically I will be meeting a lot of people and uh, trying to understand what is wrong and how we can solve the problem and how uh, I can sell my goods better. A kind of a person there, so it was a big change for me. to move from that kind of a world towards a little bit more process oriented sales and business development part uh, and this i'm talking in the mid 2000s 2005 to 2008 kind of a time frame but uh, then i uh, yeah that movement from eq heavy towards process oriented heavy part uh, was a very big difference and then the next leap came in when i started moving from process oriented towards a domain oriented so how do you typically understand the problem how do you put yourself in the customer's shoes and understand how you can solve the problem so that was a big transition i did and i think i love that uh, these two big steps that happened with me uh, in our case i think it is more than the sales i think we as i mentioned in the earlier question i we have always been sales led uh, that is because me and rishi we come from a long background of uh, sales and business development uh, we were doing our challenge is now moving from sales led to become product centric because sales cannot you cannot scale, you cannot scale it uh, significantly if it is only sales led uh, it is very very helpful in the early early days of a b2b saas platform to be sales led but once you have got a product market fit you have to move towards a product centric uh, organization and yeah so that is what i think we are making a big transition towards it we are investing significantly towards uh, product directors and product managers uh, and i call them my my new sales team is the product directors and product managers not the uh, direct sales team uh, not to 
make them feel bad it is just that for us to scale faster i think we need to make products much more stronger so that the product sell on sells on itself and it increases the engagement and it's good that you say it out loud also because product people need to understand that they also need to sell everybody needs to sell at the company in different angles yes. I, I think the product directors and the product management team is the best sales team you have because if you can understand the customer's problem and you can solve the problem without even having a face-to-face interaction that is the best form of sales for b2b SaaS. Johan, thank you so much for the question shamik thank you for the answer and it's time to talk some hard numbers because you can't have a sauce pod without talking about kpis <laughs> so uh, yes. shamik i i want to know uh, now on a like company level which three to five KPIs are the most important for you that you are fanatic about? So we traditionally have been uh, following two main KPIs. Uh, one is the MRR converted into annualized ARR. Uh, that has been, I think, from the day one, we have we have followed it religiously. And when you say converted, have you sold it like pilots first and then you convert it to yearly? No, no. So if you have got a monthly recurring revenue, uh, we because we typically sell uh, three-year contracts or five-year contracts, so we convert that MRR towards annualized ARR, which means that if I am doing 100K uh, MRR now, I will say that I do 1.2 million ARR because from the day one, we sign a three-year deal yeah. kind of a thing there. Uh, there. So that has been, I think, uh, one of the North Star perf- North Star metrics when it comes to the company performance and, and, and there, uh, part of it. Uh, second, I think, is that based on the usage of the platform. So we typically track two metrics there, uh, the number of suppliers on the platform who are using the platform and uh, also the number of transactions recording. So just to give you what is the easy word for transactions is, how many products we would be tracing in the platform uh, there. Uh, these are the, the two product metrics that we also measured there. And now we have also started talking about NRR growth, uh, but we just started doing that around six months back. Okay. Now. Nice. And now when I know uh, about your top three KPIs, I, of course, want to hear the secret sauce. Have you combine it all together with the goal system or the framework so so what what framework do you have to work smart with your kpis so we uh, in we are trying with okrs now uh, but even up before okrs the way we have typically done that is that we typically align most of the teams towards this uh, three or four K- kpis that we decide on and then we work towards it right so one of the reasons i think we have got very low churn has been because I think the teams are very, very well integrated. So if a sales has won a deal and passed it on to implementation or customer support or customer success, they are still involved with the customer. We don't take the hands off uh, from that there. Uh, it is a one team culture that we have within the organization. So if I the goal of MRR growth or ARR growth is not owned only by the sales or marketing team, it is owned by the whole company there. So for example, if I sign a very, very big deal, the whole whole company, it is a win for whole company there. I know it is very difficult for us to uh, create a, uh, a culture like that, but I think we have been... Uh, 
uh, able to do that because from the early on, we typically hired uh, passionate people. I think more missionaries than mercenaries. So when a, when when they joined, they are really interested about okay, what should we do with a company like A? Uh, uh, why are they doing it? Uh, and how should I deliver this program to them from day one? There. Uh, so that that I think so our goal system it is not very tangible goal system like an OKR but it is very very uh, mission driven uh, uh, goal system uh, driven by passionate people here. And would you say that is one of not your but Trust Trace superpowers that you have this great mission and can attract these passionate people? Yeah, as 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 Cynic says uh, says right. Uh, uh, if you build the company, if the why is very, very strong, I think then everything else aligns to it. So I think in our case, I think uh, uh, knowingly, unknowingly, we always ensure that we have hired people who know why they are joining Trust Trace. So the purpose has always helped us to be uh, very, very uh, goal oriented. Great. And uh, then this means that we are heading into the roundup with only a few questions left. And the first question that I always throw in in the roundup, this is a VAM-oriented question. What would you say is the best way to do a cold outreach to you? Because I'm collecting high-level data points and building a better and better sales machine. So what would you say is the best way? Take me to the journey. You don't know my company, you don't know me. How would you like to get approached in your way for the best experience for me to after a couple of steps, getting you into a meeting? So first of all, I, I don't sell to me. I think I would say, uh, understand my problem. So I think you should, of course, set the context, the space that you operate in. What does VAM do? Uh, what is the kind of typical problems that you have been trying to solve what, with other companies and, and try to understand what kind of problems that I have. And when I am saying something, I think listen a lot and empathize with that problem and see if the VAM can solve the problem today or maybe you do not have a solution now but you may have a solution in six months down the line and be very very honest about it uh, that's what because i think time is the most precious thing while we all and at the same time we want to sell our goods uh, we all have got our problems i think we should be very very empathetic when we are selling that uh, what is the problem that the particular person faces so okay uh, you want me to specify the problem I'm solving so you can relate to it. Which channel? What is it phone? Is it LinkedIn? Is it uh, email? What is the best way to stop you and get you in my loop? The best way to chat with me will be figuring out whether I sh you should meet me uh, through LinkedIn, through email or through phone. I, I typically prefer uh, uh, email explaining what you are wanting to ach achieve. And I think till the time I believe that it is an honest attempt to understand if you can solve my problem, I will always say that, yes, I think we should have a 10 minutes chat or something. And mind you, I have been a sales and a business development guy. So I understand the pain of somebody reaching out and trying to get that data. But I want it to be a very, very honest uh, attempt and with the, with the clear idea that the person is ready to solve it or not. And what can be more honest than video one human to another? That is much more honest than auto-generated text, etc. So uh, thank you, Shamik, for helping me with some extra data points in this topic. And now it's time. Th th this question, this is one of the favorite topics in the 
old episodes they do. So this is super interesting. If you would give yourself, when you were a younger leader, mm-hmm. <laughs> one to top three things to think of, what would you tell yourself and me and the listeners? Take the plunge faster. Uh, you will learn on the way, I would say. I think uh, there's never a right time to do anything daring uh, uh, or a wrong time to do anything daring. If you want to uh, build a business, if you want to do any kind of uh, attempt, uh, start uh, plunge and take the plunge early enough. And don't be worried that what will happen if I fail. Uh, you have got long years ahead. You can always uh, <laughs> come back. I think that is enough with that big bold one, Shamik. So we move on to which one to two other B2B socios are you inspired by in the Swedish or Nordic community, but also globally and would like me to interview? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, uh, in the Swedish and the Nordic community, I think uh, not um, not that I have uh, not been inspired. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts and I'm getting to know a lot more than that. But I think uh, a person who has, I think, uh, uh, inspired, inspired me a lot is a guy called Girish Mathrabhutam. He is from Freshworks. He is based out of California now, but I think he started the unicorn or now Decacorn uh, called Freshworks back in India. Uh, there, And I think he has inspired a lot of B2B SaaS uh, leaders coming in from, from India uh, there. Because now India is rocking big time in B2B SaaS because I think... Uh, of the path that he showed uh, to many of us uh, there. Uh, in Sweden, I think you have got quite a few B2B SaaS companies. So I have, I've been watching, uh, working very closely with InRiver team and all that. Uh, that has been a very inspiring. And I think I've learned a lot from those uh, guys in, at InRiver also. Thank you. And uh, the last question is, uh, I always hope for now a big, bold statement. Shamik, where will Trust Trace be in five years? Okay, <laughs> uh, we will be we, uh, for sure. We will be a global uh, setup. I think we are already a very very global setup. I think and making a significant impact in the fashion industry, uh, where we have got a significant footprint. Maybe at least uh, five hundred plus customers from the fashion industry driving us towards. Uh, a significant amount of ARR, I would say 100 million plus ARR. Yeah. Amazing. If you who listen like what you heard and got value from Shamik, please press the subscription button and tell a friend or a colleague, listen to Shamik in B2B Socios and Shamik. A huge thank you for putting aside 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. My pleasure. Thanks, Satan, Joseph. And anybody can reach out to me through LinkedIn. 